Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners for Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. and welcome back to episode 153 of the Security Token Show. I'm your host, Kyle Sondland, joined by Peter Gaffney, head of research at Security Token Advisors, filling in for Herwig this week. Peter, thanks for coming. Oh, my pleasure to be here again. We're here in sunny Miami, Florida. We're talking investment banking, blockchain, security tokens, all the things that you just love to hear about here on the show. But before we dive into anything, I wanted to thank our sponsor, which this week is Relio Technology Limited. Relio, you may have heard of them before. They've sponsored the show in the past. They're friends of Security Token Market here. And Relio is building a blockchain-based platform to issue and manage the life cycle of digital assets. Relio is combining a decentralized peer-to-peer exchange on top of their issuance platform to provide that enterprise-grade blockchain solution with some of these high-quality investment vehicles. Starting with their own, they issued the RST token, which is backed by ownership in Relio, the company which is fantastic. On top of that, they issued the LMX token, which is an issuer of the Liquid Mining Fund LMX that is also, I think, mining all kinds of cryptocurrencies and earning yield for investors. Both of these tokens are set to list in the future onto notable ATS as we've covered here on the show, and certainly you'll get some updates coming soon. Thank you to Relio. You can go to Relio.fund for more information on the company. Really appreciate it from Relio. And with that, we can dive into our top five. And moving into the top five, we have article number one. This is coming from Ripple, previously winning our lawsuit of the year winner because of the fact that they have had a dogfight with the SEC going over years now about whether they've sold an unregistered security or not. Now, Ripple Labs, parent company of the XRP token and network, is also now getting into the M&A game, looking to buy into some distressed assets from some of these lenders that we've seen have some issues in the wake of a lot of crypto volatility in the markets recently. Ripple setting their sights on Celsius, exploring if there's any of their underlying assets, which in this case might be intellectual property, could be some of the technology itself, or more specifically, some of these debt contracts or agreements that they have in place with some of their lenders that they provide loans to and potentially acquiring those assets to build their business and to build their own war chest. They have done $400 million, according to this article, of secondary transactions using their network just Q2 alone in 2022. So this is, I think, just a warning shot to the world. Ripple's not dead. Mm -hmm. It still exists. It's, It's supposedly robust and strong. And they're now looking to get into some other business to help bail out the rest of the industry. That's number one. And that is sizable, Kyle. Nothing to scoff at at all. Keep an eye on Ripple. Let's see what's happening. Moving into number two, we got recurring name T0 stepping into the limelight yet again. They actually secured a patent that's been filed since August 2019 on upgradable security tokens. For those who don't know, there's certain data that can be kept off-chain versus on-chain, whether you want to program it right into the smart contract, into the security token, versus keeping it off somewhere, maybe call it via API call or some other metric. And T0 is looking to kind of make that upgradable token in that form, rather than keeping everything rigid and fixed and having to reissue new tokens upon any changes in the future 
or any uh, modifications or upgrades, you can maybe just API call that right in and kind of upgrade that. Good for issuance uh, scalability, good for reduction in fees going forward. Keep an eye on that coming out. Makes a lot of sense. They're building the entire acquisition system from mm -hmm. broker to secondary marketplace. Gotta it only flexible. makes sense to yeah. lock in that technology Most as definitely. well. And number three, the SEC investigation leak. So apparently, we made a couple episodes recently on yeah. Coinbase and their struggles with the SEC, but according to new leaks, it is not just Coinbase that's being investigated. Instead, all U.S. cryptocurrency exchanges are rumored to being under investigation at different points of those investigations and to varying lengths by the SEC. This is fascinating, and it supposedly comes from a leak inside of U.S. Senator Cynthia Loomis's office. Loomis, as well as Senator Gillibrand, came together last month with a cryptocurrency bill outlining how regulators should consider these assets, both from an accounting and tax perspective. Now it seems like Loomis's office is fighting against the SEC to argue that many of these assets are commodities. This is all speculation though. None of this is confirmed. What has been confirmed is a rumor is that a lot of exchanges are being looked at by the SEC, US-based as well as Binance being noted another one of the culprits with Binance US. It only makes Natural. sense. A lot of the major suspects there, I'm sure. Keep an eye as well. Looking at number four, we got the U.S. Treasury stepping in now, coming back onto the radar, issuing sanctions against the virtual currency mixer called Tornado Cash. For those who don't know, Tornado Cash essentially blends a basket of digital assets to basically further anonymize your transactions, your holdings, whatever you may have basically in your personal wallet. Uh, the main allegation here is thinking about things under the premise of money laundering and potential illicit activities. We know how that kind of goes. That falls right into the U.S. Treasury's scope of work. So keep an eye out on that, whatever may happen with uh, Tornado Cash. The founder was picked up, unfortunately arrested recently, actually this morning, breaking news. Oof. So let's see what the precedent is set with that. There's a lot of outcry in the cryptocurrency mm -hmm. industry as they view this as a strike to freedom. I think that other people might feel a little bit differently. Otherwise, number five, we have Quantum RE and Texture Capital. Like You've heard of Texture Capital here on the show before. They have been in this industry for a long time. That is an alternative trading system led by Rich Johnson and team, and they are focused on digital securities. They've done a bunch of primary offerings, looking to also offer secondary market facilities as well. Quantum RE, we have also covered on the show. They are an Algorand-based platform nice. looking to do home equity marketplace, at least the technology behind it, to provide investors with the accessibility to buy and sell shares and build what they consider portfolios of real estate shares across the country or across the world. But of course, because these are shares of an asset that looks, feels, and smells like a security, they needed that underlying protection, which is where Texture Capital comes in. These two are working towards something pretty big in the tokenized real estate sector. Going to be fascinating to see developments here. Congrats to both teams. And with that, we can move over to Anna Yancey for the rest of the industry news. Happy Grand Rising, everyone. Anna Yancey on this end with your latest industry news. We have lots to cover today, so let's dive into it. The SEC is getting a big $300,000 check this week after reaching a settlement with Bloom Protocol. This settlement came as a result of an ICO Bloom conducted back in January of 2018, raising $31 million. The SEC considers this ICO an unregistered securities offering. According to the SEC, 
They are considered an unregistered security because during the pre-sale, both Bloom and investors referred to the tokens as an investment and the sale as a financing indicating an expectation of profit. The company also failed to say how many tokens would be required for utility purposes and had a U.S. registered company issued the tokens. This means that they did not create a decentralized governance. All this made them a soft target for the SEC to go after. If the company fails to comply, the $31 million they raised will become a fine. Coinbase is not starting the week well after it was hit with another class action lawsuit. Bragger, Eagle, and Squire law firm filed the suit alleges, alleging that Coinbase made false claims about its business activities and compliance policies for more than a year. The lawsuit claims the company allowed U.S. customers to trade digital assets, which the ex exchange knew or recklessly disregarded, which should have been registered with the SEC. In their eyes, Coinbase held customer digital assets, knowing they could end up as the property of a bankruptcy estate. The law firm is acting on behalf of all persons and entities who bought Coinbase securities between April 14 of 2021 and July 26 of 2022. Another company facing legal issues is Celsius, the bankrupt crypto lender. The company has been served a deceased and refrained order by the California's Department of Financial Protection and Innovation. Celsius cannot continue selling or marketing securities in the state of California. The company allegedly offered earned rewards accounts that are securities but had no such permits to authorize the activities. The DPI also claimed that Celsius and its CEO failed to fully disclose material aspects of its business and earn rewards. Additionally, it offered account accounts that allowed its users to earn interest under deposited digital assets but did not qualify those accounts as securities in line with California law. The digital asset market in Asia has big announcements this week. Starting off with Thailand, their SEC has approved operating licenses for another four digital asset firms. This means the country now has 21 licensed virtual asset service providers. The new firms are Kronthive, Xspring, Xspring, a broker, T-Box, an exchange, Coindy, an advisor and fund manager, and Leaf Capital Asset Management, which is a fund manager. Although they are approved, the SEC still needs to inspect the firm's operations before they can kick off market activities. In South Korea, there is a new crypto law coming into play. The Digital Asset Basic Act is expected to be in place by 2023. Lawmakers are joining counterparts in the U.S. and Europe in accepting that digital assets are here to stay and regulations are needed for it. South Korea stated that it would take note of crypto regulations from the U.S. and other countries in forming its legislation. The president said he would classify cryptocurrencies in two ways, tokens that resemble securities and non-securities. Tokens that work like securities will be regulated under the existing Capital Market Act, while non-security tokens will be supervised under the new Basic Act to offer better safeguards to investors. The current proposal for the Basic Act includes op obligating crypto businesses to store customer funds separately from corporate funds to prevent any risk of misappropriation. Back in the U.S., one firm that is looking to grow tokenization is Galaxy Digital. The company is looking to grow via merger and acquisition despite their $554 million loss in the second quarter. Their founder and CEO, Michael Novogratz, noted that the firm has $1 billion 
in cash to spend and that it continues to raise capital with an eye toward deal-making. Galaxy Digital is looking to grow via merger and acquisition, particularly in the area of tokenization. Novogratz said he expects traditional finance companies to step up later this week, later this year and get involved in crypto M&A, but he wants to be ahead of the game. The company, however, is still cutting expenses, including 20% of vendor costs and has also eliminated some positions. For our final industry news, we have BlackRock launching a BTC product. Their offering would take the form of a spot Bitcoin private trust and will be available to U.S. institutional clients. The product seeks to track the performance of Bitcoin, less expenses, and liabilities of the trust. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This week, we have two new updates, so let's get right into it. Bricken is adding three new VCs to its portfolio with Veritas, Digital Gold Capital, and Hillstone Finance to expand its digital securities operations to three new countries. Bricken is an autonomous, decentralized business platform that enables companies to put their shares on chain. Founded in Spain in 2020, it is a tokenization protocol leveraging blockchain technology to tokenize or turn assets into digital securities. Hillstone, a South Korean firm, aims to become a global investment platform and Veritas is a family-owned VC fund that is also a consultancy. Digital Gold invests in digital assets that promote real-world solutions such as tokenization. This group's commitment is said to include an investment into Bricken's native token as well, BKN. This stellar group will further help develop the potential of decentralizing company ownership through tokenization equity and asset management. Bricken is also launching its new white paper, setting the stage for its decentralized application launch planned for September of 2022 to onboard new clients at a wide scale. Find out more at Crowdfund Insider and also read the latest white paper from Bricken at Bricken.com. Up next, we have an ESG investment opportunity that is open for accredited U.S. investors and international qualified investors called Easy Energy Finance. EEF is is addressing several environmental crises, global warming, Um, the release of carbon into the atmosphere, food shortages, and the lack of clean water. Many billion-dollar bioenergy projects require a long lead time to make an impact, and many have also failed over the past two decades. A delay in the world can no longer, we can no longer afford to wait. Easy Energy builds and operates as small to mid-sized bioplants and is raising capital to purchase several patented modular production systems, which will be leased to bioplant operators in return for rev share. This is open for accredited U.S. investors and qualified international investors, as I said before, and the minimum investment is $5,000. Head over to securitize.io for more information and to invest. That is all today, so let's send it over to SJS.eth for some hard-hitting market reporting. Hello and happy Monday. The security token market cap has barely budged this past week as it settles just below $18 billion. INX closed the week down close to 10%, while Millennium Sapphire continued its ascent up 15% on the week. Blockchain Venture Capital recently announced it has received final approval for listing from the Canadian Securities Exchange. The common shares of the company commenced trading on the CSE under the symbol BVCI at market opening on August 12, 2022. The public listing of the company follows the successful completion of the reverse takeover with FlexWork Properties. Formerly called Reliant Gold Corp. by the way of an amalgamation. Let me break this down. B 
BVCI is an Ontario company and is registered as a money service business with the Financial Transaction Reports Analysis Centre of Canada, otherwise known as FinTrack. It is a provider of innovative technology infrastructure to participants in the emerging blockchain and distributed ledger technology industry, which is instrumental to BVCI's business and growth strategy, is also BVC Chain, a proprietary blockchain platform and distributed ledger technology which can operate as either a centralized or decentralized ledger. In other news, the taxman is out to get all of us. In fact, the IRS has always harbored suspicions that investors in digital assets and currencies are not declaring their taxes in full. Tracking the financial activity of traders in the blockchain is made difficult by the private nature of digital assets, obfuscating the identities of users. In a new bill that recently passed in Congress, it included the hiring of 87,000 new IRS officials. And many suspect that the recent hiring of new agents is in part to begin the crackdown on the lax enforcement of taxation for crypto users. While it will still be very difficult to identify and tag every trade on the blockchain, the IRS will do everything in its power to collect every last dollar they believe it is owed. That is all for now, but have an amazing rest of your week and keep hold of your private keys. Wiggy Wiggy, welcome to Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Van Gogh. Snapple created a bodega in the metaverse. The virtual installation is central and comes with a big savings to visitors who complete the scavenger hunt and register their PayPal wallets. The bodega also includes partnerships with popular Twitch streamers who have been active promoters of the installation on social media. Next, the textbook publisher Pearson is looking to leverage NFTs in order to keep track of digital textbook sales. According to the company's CEO, Pearson textbooks are resold up to seven times, which means collectively putting NFT tech will provide the company with a crazy amount of new revenue that may amount to a good portion of profit. Moving forward, Paris Hilton is moving online with The Sandbox, announcing that it has partnered with the fashion icon to build her Malibu mansion. Hilton's foray into The Sandbox lets fans experience all things Paris and her community will be invited to events such as rooftop parties in her virtual Malibu mansion, and players will also be invited to a Halloween event. Next, Mark Cuban mocks the metaverse, explaining that he believes that buying virtual real estate on these platforms was not a good idea. He referred to it as dumb beep. I can't even curse on this, right? (laughs) Declaring that it is not even as good as buying a URL or an ENS because there's an unlimited volumes that you can create. He explained that... For these structures to have value, they have to be first supported by a community and its activities, and these places will have value depending on access or how the community values them. Sounds like a lot of like NFTs, but we'll see if he flips or not. That was Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Van Gogh. All right, and moving into companies of the week. These are the companies that Kyle and I deem to go above and beyond for the week. We want to highlight them, give them an extra shout out. For myself, I'm rolling with Rich Johnson and Texture Capital. Mm. I love seeing the the Texture Capital broker-dealer ATS making headlines, doing some work, especially on the real estate side with Quantum RE. A great team over there. They've done some deals in the past. I think it's going to set precedent for more in the future. Looking forward to that, Richard. Kyle, what are you thinking? That that team's always forward thinking. Both of those those groups are working towards something big. Exciting Mm -hmm. to see what's next. 
For me, I'm going with another marketplace, but actually I'm going outside the US. We're getting on a plane, going across the pond, over to the UK. I'm giving it to Archax. Shout out to Archax because they are, I believe to my knowledge, the only UK licensed exchange for digital securities that certainly anyone, the only one that I've ever seen. And they've been working very hard on building the tech stack as well as the regulatory components. And now they've announced that they are doing their Series A, which they are closing now with a huge investor, Aberdeen. Aberdeen is a public asset manager with $564 billion in assets under management. They clearly see the opportunity of trading securities on chain, potentially private or public, and can leverage this technology and company accordingly. So clearly this is a strategic partnership. Aberdeen is a great investor to have on the cap table. Shout out to Archax. It seems like the fundraise is going really well. And with that, let's go into the main topic. Let's do it. And now it's time to move into the main topic for episode 153 of the Security Token Show. We're going to be talking about everything going on in the industry thus far in 2022, give you that full summary. And honestly, it's great that we have you here, Peter, because you're the head of research for Security Token Advisors. And if you don't know Security Token Advisors, they are our sister company, Security Token Market and Security Token Advisors. But they see all of the deal flow coming through the industry because they are the leading consulting company in the space. So they work with issuers and help them through this process, work with the different vendors to really understand what's going on. So if anybody in this industry has insight onto what's actually been going on, it's you. So I know that you put together this report. It's probably worth just kind of going through some of the, the high level stuff. Most definitely. Thank you for that, Kyle. So the Security Token Advisors team put together our tokenization in 2022, first half of the year in review report. I know it's August. We had to delay a month. July popped off more than we could have expected, so had to cover that as well. But we really want to take a look at what major developments, what big names came into play, what took us from that $1 billion mark on the secondary markets to $20 billion, mm. and now we're sitting around 18. So let's take a look at that, right? Big name that's been recurring in the show, recurring in the industry. We talked about them today. T0. T0 stepped on the play with something huge. And what is that, Kai? T0 has been doing quite a few things, but the biggest point that we saw from T0, they secured a huge funding round from the Intercontinental Exchange. ICE, that owns the New York Stock Exchange, they came in hard, they deployed a lot of capital there, and then they actually brought their chief strategy officer into T0, David Goon, who's now the CEO, and that made waves across the industry. It's maybe the most institutional investment we've seen in the space. Absolutely, absolutely. And anyone looking at that that's familiar with traditional finance and the markets now sees that as well. The people who basically own traditional markets are now stepping into security tokens. Huge mark for T0, congrats to them on that. And kind of the subsidiary news on that front, they also uh, made a shift from clearing and settling securities transactions with Apex Group mm. to more internally. I think the long-term vision there is to you know, improve efficiency, onboarding new assets, onboarding issuers, and then obviously maintaining those transactions, moving towards that true 24-7 settlement and trading capability. I think that's where the industry is going. That's certainly what yeah. we always tout and we want to see. So a couple steps in the right direction, most definitely on that. Yeah, I know that was a huge lift for them to mm -hmm. even just to get the prime brokerage license, which exactly. allows for, for some of these different pieces, potentially exploring, you know, internal transfer agent solutions just to try to, you know, build a streamlined process with this whole thing to, I think, it's, it's a common it's a common goal for a lot of these different ATSs yeah. to oh, try yeah. to provide the one-stop shop. And yeah, yeah, T0 yeah. certainly seems like they're taking the very institutional route, the, the New York Wall Street, Wall Street route. route. Yep, most definitely. 
Moving beyond T0, I have a point that I'm pretty proud of. Um, so Arca, Digital Asset Manager, some of you in the space are probably familiar, have some great names. They've been around since inception yeah. of the industry. Uh, Arca and Security Token Market. We've been running a joint video series called Tokenization for Institutions, What You Need to Know. Ideally, we want to create the playbook and verbalize, broadcast that playbook to asset managers, to hedge funds, to private equity firms, real estate companies, and investment banks as a whole. Right now, we're on about four episodes right now. We have people like Arcus Gerald David. Uh, we have Annalise Osborne. We have Jeff Dorman, longtime thought leader in the space, covering topics from just digitizing and automating the cap tables or the capital stacks, rather, in commercial real estate, using uh, Arcoin and blockchain transferred funds and security tokens for collateral and treasury management purposes, company tokens, imagining, let's say, Amazon Prime or even airline miles were tokenized. What can you really do with that? Really kind of just ushering the playbook and figuring out how can institutions leverage blockchain tech to stop playing by the uh, the nine to five rules and start doing things overnight, settling deals on their terms, bringing efficiencies, reducing costs. And when you're dealing with billions and trillions of dollars, we know even uh, a couple bib savings is a tremendous deal. For sure, for sure. We see, we've seen some of these more institutional investors come into the industry as well between, as you mentioned, with ICE coming in, multiple different companies have been able to successfully fundraise over this period. So we've, we've seen some of that, that allocation happening now as some of these VCs are now getting bit from a lot of the crazy scandals that we've seen across the, the cryptocurrency industry with the collapse of the, the stablecoin industry through Terra and Luna falling apart versus all the, the security token benefits of the fact that, okay, you're owning real assets here. Exactly. This is very different than some of the industries that have really felt a significant pain because, oh, wait, once the, you know, the, the pure buy side demand dries up, there's really it's nothing happen, left yeah, to, yeah. to really drive interest versus when you're owning real estate properties, for example, that, you know, the, that maybe it's the illiquidity that's helpful or maybe it's really just the way you should look at it is people want to continue owning these assets. They don't want to necessarily buy and sell because you're buying to hold. And that's why even seeing the industry now at $20 billion was our market high. We're still sitting right around 18. Why? Because these investors are still owning these assets. They don't necessarily yep. need liquidity as early as, you know, somebody that really is just trying to pump and dump. Most definitely. It's funny, Kyle, you mentioned Luna. We actually do cover that with Jeff in episode three of this series, all on the YouTube channel. So go ahead, not, you know, after you finish this video, of course, <laughs> keep browsing the Secure Dug and Market YouTube channel and go take a look, get educated. But on that note, we were talking about Arcoin real quick. For those who don't know, Arcoin is the U.S. Treasury Fund, structured as a blockchain transferred fund, which ARCA kind of pioneered with the SEC for pretty much over 24 months, over two years to get that structure inbound. Makes a great playbook right there. Scale that up. I think they have some more products coming out. Excited for more announcements. But even looking at it, the collateral management aspect is super interesting to me. I always thought it had to be a product. You know, investing in U.S. Treasuries, okay, kind of boring, but I get it's like a proof of concept. But looking at it, aside from the product level, you have operations, you have companies holding this, holding treasuries, holding cash, holding cash equivalents, whatever sure, you have sure. for treasury management purposes to fix their credit profile, maybe for reserve requirements, anything, depending on what type of uh, firm you are, what type of institution you are. Yeah, we, and we see this. Exactly we right. This is kind of rolling out even aside from our coin. We have JP Morgan and Goldman kind of doing things on this front. I love looking at JP Morgan's uh, blockchain based repo network. They launched it back in December 2020, already secured $350 billion Ooh. worth of trading volume, essentially tokenizing these repos, 
repos charge interest by the minute. So overnight, you know, there could be a big difference between if one company and the other is quoting themselves as, you know, three hours versus four hours, it could be a lot, a big money difference between that hour mark. Tokenizing it on the blockchain, we know exactly how long this transaction lasted. There's no debate, no negotiation. It's right there. Both of us can see. And they've been pioneering that, bringing in the likes of Goldman Sachs, BNY Mellon, BNP Paribas, and other companies to join that syndicate and start spreading the, the blockchain wealth. Yeah, the, the investment banking adoption that's happened over the course of the last six to nine months, remarkable. I think has really been remarkable. We did a full main topic breakdown on just what JP Morgan has been doing in the industry. They've got their Onyx digital asset platform, with which they're issuing a lot of these securities. They're doing a lot of debt-based instruments. We see Societe Generale and others actually doing issuances of debt products on-chain and figuring out how that works from a testnet perspective, testing dividends. We saw BlackRock that's now creating all kinds of institutional crypto investment funds and things like that, which again, isn't fully security token related, but these are large institutions that are recognizing the value of, I think really, in my opinion, the smart contract system. Because when you look at a lot of the financial service processes that traditional institutions go through, they're still so incredibly manual, whether it's from moving money from one place to another, all the way through to settling a security, like what we're seeing Bank of America trialing with Paxos. So there's, there's really every step of that process does have to be reevaluated and to consider what's going to be the best optimal process to manage that from a costs and efficiency perspective. We've seen a lot of that distribution. We've certainly also seen additional listings coming to market, which is exciting. INX has their first primary deal. TruckPal yeah. is now listed there. We see T0 has announced multiple new listings that are coming soon, as well as Mira Park went live. Curzio's offering went live. We saw some, some great activity there. Securitized Markets has been very strong in bringing primary deals through the pipeline with their, you know, they had the beauty company that was, I, I, I'm, the name is escaping me right on the second, but there's a bunch of different high level issuers there. And we've seen a bunch of exciting stuff between Exodus coming live and getting listed. It's, it's all blending together, but it's, 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 the industry has seen some very interesting developments across the board. Absolutely, absolutely. I think a lot of that is happening even on the operational side, like we were kind of talking about before with Arcoin, with uh, the blockchain-based repo network. Kyle, you mentioned BlackRock, coincidentally. Though they're not doing tokenization directly, they are saying, yes, we'll play along. We'll figure out how to kind of work with that. And they gave JPM actually permission to tokenize one of their BlackRock money market funds, use it in the JP Morgan's TCN, the tokenized collateral network, and figure out, hey, what can I do with this from a collateral standpoint, from a lending standpoint? I think that's great. I love the use case of security tokens as collateral, real estate tokens as collateral. No need to put up you know, your actual house. If I own $10,000 worth of real estate tokens, I could collateralize that either in a DeFi protocol or with a lender or with um, a party that's comfortable taking that on. The mm. fact that JPM and Goldman is comfortable taking that on is just a symbol to the rest of the banking industry. So that's fantastic. Yeah, for And we sure. see more of that happening even with companies like HQLAX, who is doing tokenization right. on like an enterprise level for banks to bring some more efficiency to compliance. Finance invested in, I believe, uh, or FTX, one of the two. Yep, yep, um, so and we know Goldman Sachs was an early investor in them. So you know they're looking at it from the operational level. Like we always say, look to tokenization for the firepower of the institutions. And I, I couldn't, I certainly couldn't do a topic summarizing 2022 without talking about regulation. It's not mm -hmm. everybody's favorite topic, but this was definitely a year with which 
Maybe we didn't get definition or defined clarity, but we certainly got more context because the SEC and the CFTC have been publicly duking it out for the first time that we've really seen at a scale we've never seen before. And that that's just been, I think, dominating headlines between the OpenSea head of product who got ripped for, feels for so wire fraud and all of those business issues. You got the Coinbase people getting hit for insider trading. Binance and Coinbase delisting assets because they potentially are securities. The SEC naming Coinbase as, as you know, doing a lot of wrongdoing and other exchanges now with what we see from, from Senator Cynthia Loomis's office, supposedly. And, and like, like there's a lot of regulation. We've got Gary Gensler coming out being very hostile in his rhetoric towards cryptocurrencies, stating that most of them, in his opinion, are securities. You've got the CFTC coming out and saying, no, we want control over these assets. You've got Congress passing multiple different digital asset bills. You've got the IRS scaling up to try to figure out how to tax these things. You've got the Treasury and the U.S. Treasury shutting down tornado cash because it's money laundering, as well as potentially coming out with its own stablecoin guidelines. You've got the World Bank bank talking about stablecoin technology. You've got China issuing the e and debuting it during the Olympics. There have been so much geopolitical and geoeconomic standards that have milestones that have been broken. When you think about crypto from, if you've been in crypto for longer than, than just this past market cycle, the thought of even having the, the Fed mention Bitcoin or a stable coin would have been a, a, a wild, wild realization. And now it seems like almost every week we're seeing new regulators coming out with opinions on the industry and these asset classes. It will continue to be fantastic. Hopefully in this next cycle, we'll see a little bit more of that defined clarity I was mentioning with regards to how we should actually treat these assets. Right, right, right. And like we said last week, like we covered in last week's main topic, this is where the ATS has come into play, the real licenses, the national exchanges, Everything's kind of yeah. shifting that way, whether people like to admit or not. It's pretty clear. Absolutely right. What else is on Absolutely. your list? Well, a company I really love just because of the mission they're solving. I'm seeing more value as the days pass between an issuer conversations, internal conversations, and what the industry really needs is Invenium. Those who don't know, Invenium is basically a blockchain-based data oracle. So it could take in asset-level data credential it and upload it to their blockchain and manage it and offer two-sided transparency. So if I'm an issuer and Kyle's an investor, we both see the data, but other people may or may not be able to, right? Mm. And as the issuer, I kind of show what I want to show and limit what I want to limit according to private uh, asset reporting guidelines that the SEC set out and actually updated earlier in the year, which is covered in the report. But uh, aside from that, you know, they onboarded, I think they started the year around $5 billion of assets onboarded, which is great. They're already over $25 billion last I spoke with them. Made some strategic investments in Tokeny, an issuance platform over in Luxembourg, and Rialto Markets, uh, a broker-dealer ATS right here in the United States. Now, Invenium is pretty much covering the map between the data solutions, primary issuance, secondary trading, broker-dealer, and capital-raising capabilities. I think there's a lot of solutions they're offering that'll be great for legitimacy and for transparency, like we're saying, and valuation in the space. And everything they're doing, security tokens just unlock all that. I think they have a saying, it's like, assets are always sale ready, always token ready. I love that. Shout out to Invenium, you guys are killing it. Fantastic. So 
with that, where can people find out more information? Where can they read this report or purchase their report? How do they get access right. to the content that you're creating on this front? Right, right, right. So right now, it's uploaded PDF. If you want, hit my Twitter at pgaf underscore digital. Uh, we're rolling this out on our main blog, on the Secure Token Market blog. In smaller chunks, smaller tranches, we'll go month by month, January through July. That'll be starting up next week. So by the time you're reading, you're watching this, you'll be able to access all that as well. Like Fantastic. we're saying, you know, all roads lead to the Secure Token Market blog. So you're right there. And you've got, I think, Token Advisors on Twitter is the STA right. account. You can always try to reach out there and somebody will help you out. Peter, thanks so much for joining us again. It's, it's great, been Kyle. amazing to share some time. And if you liked the show, please like, subscribe, and share it. It really does help. Leave a comment. Whatever you can do, we know how this algorithm game goes. And if you give us some engagement, it actually does help boost out the awareness. We put so much time into these episodes just to drive high-quality content to anybody that's still watching. So thank you for tuning in this week. Like, subscribe. As I said, follow us on Twitter, STO Market on Twitter. We're at like 11,000 followers now, which is pretty cool, as well as all of our other channels, stm.co for any pricing updates. Mm -hmm. You've got the What's Drippin' newsletter by Jonah Shulman, which you can sign up for through our link tree in the link in bio, anywhere that you're checking this out. Look at any of the links that are in the descriptions to find out more information. Thanks to the whole show for putting it together. We'll talk to you next week. Happy tokenizing.